Hey, Joel. Hey, Jen. What are you listening to this week? Welcome to What Are You Listening To, the weekly podcast created to foster community through music by sharing the stories behind the songs that soundtrack our lives. Some of the songs are old, some new, all good. I'm Jen Tully, and this week I'm joined by Joel Bouchard. Joel is the host of the philosophy podcast, From Nowhere to Nothing. He's also a doctoral student in psychology, a multi-instrumentalist record producer, author, painter, army veteran, and business leader. He firmly believes that generalists have a place in society and can make valuable contributions to human knowledge without being an expert in one area exclusively. This week, Joel and I are going to get to know each other through four songs that get us thinking. Two are his picks and two are mine. For the best listening experience, I recommend tuning into the show on Spotify. There, you can hear the show with the songs we discuss incorporated. You can also find the show on Apple, Amazon Music, or wherever you stream. But if you're not listening on Spotify, be sure to give the playlist a listen and then tune into our conversation. With that, let's get started. Joel, what are you listening to this week? Yeah, so I'm listening to a couple songs. Um, one of them is is new to me, and, and one of them is... Um, you know, a song that, that originally sort of got me into music. So um, the first one is um, Ordinary Guy by uh, Toro Moi. Yes, this song was, I, I was familiar with the band, um, well, at least uh, at least partially. It also, um, the Matson 2 features on this song as well. And I was not familiar with with him or with that band, um, but I, I was not familiar with the song. So tell me how you found this song. I thought it was so good. It was one of those where I was like, you know, not necessarily knowing what to expect. And then when I heard it, I was like, Oh wow, this is like a good find. So how did you come across this song? Where did you find it? Yeah, that's, that's part of the reason I like Toro is because, um, it, it doesn't matter what song you listen to beforehand. You don't know exactly what it's going to sound like. He's got a pretty wide range of styles, but no, yeah. this one was um, just, uh, you know, one of the miracles of modern technology, right? I'm, I'm listening <laughs> to Apple music and they come out with a, uh, you know, they, for a while they've had like a discovery playlist where once a week they'll update it and they'll give you a couple dozen songs and you can listen through based off of your styles. Um, but recently they launched a discovery station. So it's kind of this never-ending um, mix of music that you might like. And um, it's fascinating to me, you know, the artificial intelligence and stuff, how it works, because sometimes it's right on, or even weird, you know, where it's like, I, don't, I really like this song, but I don't know how you would know that I like this song. And then there's other times <laughs> where, uh, you know, I play something, I go, I understand why you would think I would like this based off of my, my musical interests, but I, I don't like it at all, you know. But yeah, so um, I, I've discovered him through um, just, you know, Apple Music Discovery. Yeah. You know what? I always joke that this show is for people that break the algorithms that recommend music, right? Because because of what you just said, like, I think that I sometimes will tune into like discovery or if I'm done with a playlist, you know, Spotify will sometimes go to like radio for that playlist. Um, 
I sometimes like that, sometimes don't. And so, yeah, word of mouth is kind of my preferred way to find new music. And through the show, that's been a great way for me to do that. So I'm glad that you brought that up and said that because, yeah, I think that's one thing that I hope um, this podcast delivers is sort of these song recommendations from like one person to another that feel a little bit more personal than some of the like AI generated stuff. And also, I think when you hear somebody's song or, you know, why a song is special to them or how it hits for them. Um, I think it makes you a little bit more intrigued to see how you're going to respond to it, you know? Yeah, that is the funny thing, right? Is because, um, you know, the AI stuff is is newish, you know, last five years or so, but it's still, when I look at my music library, I think the majority of the songs I have were things that other people were listening to, you know? Yeah. Uh, the AI, you know, it's like, okay, one in every 20 songs that suggests is something that I'll actually download um, and enjoy, but Usually if you're talking with your friends or something, you know, and they mention a song, you know, maybe then maybe you're down to one out of every five songs where it's like, yeah, all right. I like this, you know, so yeah, yeah a little better. Humans, humans are, are still getting it right more often than computers are, I think. <laughs> Thank goodness. May that always be the case, I hope. And, you know, especially for a song like this that I might not have been served or might not have found otherwise. And it's so beautiful musically and so simple lyrically, right? Like mm -hmm. I thought that that was like a great kind of way to sum up this song. Um, I love the instrumental break for like the last minute of the song that you get. I think that that's so beautiful. Um, and then something that we talk about on the show um, a lot and on the Super Awesome Mix podcast network a lot is an upbeat song about a sad topic. I'm such a sucker for that. Like yeah, <laughs> I yeah. love a song that sounds kind of boppy and then when you listen to it, you're like, oh, but she's leaving him. Why? You know, right, yeah. I'm so sad. <laughs> yeah. And I found that in a lot of a lot of my music. When you when you asked me to pick two songs for the show, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a very lyrically oriented guy. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think I have kind of like a language um, processing issue. I have a hard time picking out. Um, you know, voices and crowds and things and that sort of stuff. And I'm a musician. I play a lot of different instruments. So I tend to focus on musical elements more. And so when you ask me to pick two songs, I'm like, well, I want to pick something that's lyrically interesting. And I started listening through a lot of my songs and I'm like, man, a lot of these are depressing or, or you know, kind of downers. <laughs> like, well, that's not the way I feel when I listen to them, but I, I guess my focus is in a different place a lot of times. And it's so funny, like when I hear somebody say that, my husband's like that. He's not a big lyrics guy, like he's really into the music. And for me, I tune into music for the lyrics nine times out of 10. That's why I'm here. It's my poetry. It's um, it's sort of what I reflect back on when I'm struggling or like that's why I find like those words of wisdom that sort of see me through, which will become apparent as we get deeper into the playlist here. But um, it's a amazing to me because I felt like both of your picks, especially this next song that we'll get into, are such lyrically strong, deep songs. Like um, they they are saying a lot in four and a half minutes, you know? Yeah. And, and I, I had to search to, to find them, right? Because I think, that, <laughs> you know, the next one, um, Super Unknown, that's that's probably my third or fourth favorite song off that album. So it's not even like, it's not like I picked my favorite songs uh, for the show today. You know, I, I picked ones that I thought would be good um, from a lyrical standpoint and, and ones that I'm, I am, you know, are in my rotation right now, but. 
Yeah, yeah. So the, the, let's dig in. I'm so happy to talk about this song. Your second pick is, as you mentioned, Super Unknown by Soundgarden. Um, this, you know, this was a life-changing band, life-changing album for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I first really, I, I got into Soundgarden with their Bad Motor Finger album because I love the song Outshined. Um, I think that's the first song I remember hearing of theirs and thinking like, whoa, yeah. these guys really have something to say. Like, and it rocks, like you cannot get around, like just the amazing guitar and I love Soundgarden musically, but I also really love Chris Cornell. I love his voice. Rest in peace, Chris Cornell. Um, and I think, you know, listening back to some of these lyrics and some of these albums and these songs, and then, you know, knowing sort of what happened to Chris Cornell and sort of the, the demise, um, it, it hits differently. You know, it rings in my ears differently because some of it you're like, oh, so this guy's been thinking about some of these really big, overwhelming thoughts for a really long time. Um, if you go back to all of those songs again, even, you know, Outshined has a lot of it and cer certainly Super Unknown has a lot of it. Um, so, so tell me what this song means to you. I think you mentioned earlier on that this was maybe a song that kind of got you into music. That's, that's a powerful song. Yeah. Yeah. Opposite, opposite ends of the spectrum. So Toro is, is new to me. Um, and I, I really enjoy him, but I, I had to sift through seven or eight of his songs to pick this one for the episode today. But it was the same thing with Soundgarden. You know, Soundgarden, um, I'm, I'm sort of weird as far as musicians go, right? I didn't listen to any music until I was probably 13 years old. Um, oh, wow. I just didn't really, it didn't strike me as being anything special, right? And so then okay. um, I listened to a little bit of classical music and a little bit of jazz music. And then when I was 15, just the most teenage boy thing ever, me and three of my friends were like, let's start a band. And none of us played any instruments. So they're like, okay, well, you'll, <laughs> you'll play drums and you'll play guitar. And so I got guitar. So we all taught ourselves how to play. And um, we played for several years. We got pretty good. We did some battles with the bands. We were going to record a, a cassette tape back when that was a thing. And um, nice. then my, my drummer got married really young. And my bass player moved out of state to go to college. And um, the band fell apart. And I was like, man, I'm I'm just starting to get into music, you know, like I feel like I've been missing out on something my whole life now that I've been doing it. And um, so I went to Guitar Center and bought all the instruments and the recording interfaces and stuff. And um, I built a studio and have been releasing albums ever since. But so those were the guys that got me into it, right? I came into music at, at 15 years old, literally as a blank slate. I'd never heard anything, right? And my drummer was like, well, here, listen to... Soundgarden, right? Then you know, and they they'd pitched a bunch of different things, and I, there was there wasn't much that I liked. As soon as I heard Soundgarden, I knew that it was something I was going to like. You know, there's just it's so different. There's the time signatures are wild. The you know um, Kim Thale coming from you know ha, in, infuses this kind of Eastern and you know Indian flavor into all the music. Yeah. And then Cornell, right? He's he's the master of of doing what you and I were talking about before the show, right? Writing lyrics that at both at once seem to be very personal, almost like he's talking just to you. But then at the same time, when you read them going, I have no idea what he's talking about, right? That's a gift. That's what I'm always trying to accomplish with the lyrics in my own music is, is writing something where listeners go, I think, he know, I think he's talking directly to me. But at the same time, I have no idea what the song's about. You know, that, that was always something that I, I loved about him, but. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's where sound where Soundgarden came from. 
Yeah, such a good. And when I saw the song, I was so happy. And then I was immediately like in the next moment shocked that I didn't have more Soundgarden um, on the show, you know, going into four seasons. I'm like, how have I missed this? And we had a song that's kind of a, a sister song to this one in a little bit uh, in in some ways, at least lyrically. Um that's an audio slave song, which is not Soundgarden, but still Chris Cornell called um, Doesn't Remind Me, um, which is another song that I love. Um, but that that was another one that I was thinking like, oh, I wonder if that would be a good companion song to put into this playlist. Because I do have to say this playlist, this four song playlist that we have this week is maybe one of my favorites. You know, I'll go back and listen to some of the playlists because it's a good like, you know, quick, usually 20 minutes, 30 minutes with four songs. Um, and this one, I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to revisit a lot. We've got a lot going on in this playlist and a lot of different things some familiar some of the songs are new just kind of like we say in the intro um so that was a- another piece of this is i'm like i, I don't want to when you sent your picks i'm like i really want to like supplement these um without like ruining the vibe we have going here on the playlist um and I think too, you know, like you were talking about with lyrics and and being open for interpretation, um, this song I think has such a good uh, handle on that, you know. And and I have a question for you, just again, knowing that you're a philosophy and psychology guy. Um, I, I love that you know it keeps repeating alive in the super unknown because I think that's really what we're all doing. We're sort of alive in the super unknown. But he has this other refrain that he repeats where he says, first it steals your mind and then it steals your, and he leaves you hanging a couple of times on it. Eventually you learn that he says it steals your soul. Um, but I wonder like, what do you think of that? Did it register at all? Because it's the first time it's said he leaves you hanging and then you get to the second, uh, the second bridge or the second chorus and he says soul. And then at the end, he's repeating it, leaves you hanging, leaves you hanging, and then, you know, fills in the blank with soul again. Do you think that was intentional? Do you think that it was just like it, again, talking about time signatures and things like that? Do you think it just fit that way? I feel like it was intentional um, that he kind of leaves you hanging, especially that first time, because I spend the rest of the verses thinking, well, what's the other thing? Like, what, what else is it going to steal, you know, before it delivers? And so I'm really curious to get your perspective on that particular piece of the song. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it was a mashup and, um, you know, just a good mashup of um, the the time signature and the lyrics. And um, it's hard to say whether it's intentional or not, because, um, you know, Chris was kind of known for writing lyrics off the cuff um, where, you know, it was inspired by something that was pretty mundane. As a matter of fact, I think that, I think that this one, was inspired by he saw like an ad in the paper for like a clown and he misread the clown's name as super unknown and then he was like oh well that'd be a cool name for a song and so he wrote he wrote a song you know but yeah how much how much goes into the lyrics and 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 how much i i think i do when you listen to that part it sounds so what it's so well thought out and it's so impactful that i you know i wouldn't be surprised if it was you know written after the fact to to convey that rather than something that was just sort of thrown together and by happenstance happened to work out you know i think i think that it's intentional yeah yeah well as we transition into my first pick i think this is a song with a ton of intentionality behind the lyrics <laughs> um and this is a song that really i like if it had a subtitle for me in my life it would be sort of the meaning of life, right? That's what this song says to me. And it's a song called Both Sides Now by Joni Mitchell. 
Um, and the song is, it's an old song. It was released um, in 1966. Judy Collins actually originally sang it, even though it is written by Joni Mitchell. Judy Collins sang it. And then the year, the next year, Joni Mitchell released a live version of it. Um, and I just think it's such a beautiful song. You know, while we're living in this space, it's a, the song is like a stark jump musically from Soundgarden and Super Unknown, but not so much in terms of, theme, right? Thematically, I think the two are kind of close where you have these two artists really exploring like what it all means. Is it, are we alive in the super unknown? Is everything just an illusion that we think we know? And, you know, the more we think we understand, the more it changes. Um, and so I feel like this song is just so relatable on so many levels. And I love how it builds to sort of more and more meaningful things. She starts talking about clouds and then she talks about love and then she talks about life, right? Mm -hmm. So you kind of get this multi-layered um, exposition on what she's feeling all of these things are and, and can they ever really be known? Can you ever really experience these things fully or is it all just sort of an illusion or a story that we tell ourselves? Um, was this a song that that you were familiar with? Um, do you know it? Does it have a place in your library or was it kind of net new for you this week? No, this was the first time I'd heard this one. But yeah, no, I thought the same thing when I read the lyrics. I, I, I thought the same thing. I said, these four songs are great because you know, I picked one that that is a hard rocking song and one that's laid back, and you have one that's kind of laid back and one that's a bit hard rocking. But, but yeah, the the thematic elements. You know, one of one of mine is a, a pretty simple, straightforward song, and one of them is uh, has real obfuscated lyrics, and one of yours does too. But it's the opposite ones, right? The yours that yeah. that's more light and laid back has these lyrics where you go, "Oh wow, you know, yeah, we're talking about the mystery of life here, right?" And um, mm -hmm. I, yeah, the lyrics are great and not only are the lyrics great, the melody is really great. You know, she's playing a yeah. lot of the same, um, you know, chords all the way through the song, but the melody for the verses, you know, the verse lines all the way through, there's, there's just different things changing, you know, it's always going up and down and it has this really nice flow to it. And then when you combine that with, uh, with the words, like you said, it's, it's just, it steps up in levels, um, but using the same concepts. And I think that that sort of reinforces this idea of, well, is there is there any difference across them, right? What what makes life any more important than clouds, right? When when we don't know what yeah. either one of them are about, you know. So yeah, it was I I really liked this one a lot, but this was the first time I had heard it. Yeah, this is one too that I would encourage again, if in the category of um, music as poetry, you know, listeners, if you're not familiar with this one, listen to it while you're reading the lyrics. It really is, I think, just so powerful. And again, holds a lot of room for interpretation. You can sit and, and, and depending on how you're feeling or your age or what's going on in your life when you hear it, it's meant different things to me at different times throughout my life. And so I think it is one of those songs we we talk about this a lot on the show about songs that can hold a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and that to me is real musical genius, a song that can, that can be lots of things to lots of different people and also feel like a song that's super important 
to the artist, to the person that wrote it. And, you know, this is, this is a song that you can tell feels really important to Joni Mitchell as well. So love this song. It's a favorite of mine. And then I transition into another favorite that, um, that definitely um, ends us on an up-tempo note from what I believe is a no-skip album. Um, the song is called Map of the Problematique by Muse. Now, this is off their Black Holes and Revelations album from 2006, and I listen to this album all the time. It's one that's in rotation, even though it's, you know, going on almost 10 years old now. Oh, well, I'm sorry, almost 20 years old now. We're, what, 15 or three years to uh, 18 years old now? Is that right? Oh, my gosh. Um, it's crazy to me. And this is one that I just like never take out of rotation. It's always in there somewhere because every song on it is a song that I love. And you have the hits off this album, like Supermassive Black Hole and Starlight, um, Knights of Sidonia, which I think for anybody that loves guitar, loves music, like if you're not familiar with Knights of Sidonia, you need to acquaint yourself immediately. Um, but this song is one of my favorites off the album, even though it wasn't one of their big singles. Um, I just love this song. I think musically, and this is one where I don't rely so much on the lyrics, even though I do love the lyrics to this song, musically, this song sounds like confusion and frustration to me. Like if I, you know, had the ability to translate those emotions into music, um, and I'm not a musician at all, um, this is what I think it would feel like if I came to you and said, Hey, Joel, I know you're a multi-instrumentalist and record producer, like give me confusion and frustration. Yeah. This is what I would think it would sound like. What do you think about that? Yeah. Yeah. Again, this is a song that I was familiar with for the reasons that you just mentioned, you know, that, that album was fantastic. And it, of course was at a time where, uh, in, in my life where I was, I was deeply into music and yeah, nights, of nice nights of Sedonia, you know, that's just, that's one that, yeah, you never, as a musician, you never stop thinking about it. Um, yeah. But this one, yeah, I took a, I took a deeper look at it when you sent it to me because um, this isn't one off the album that I had, I had thought about much. But looking back on it in retrospect, I think you, you're absolutely right because, you know, it, it has this, this sort of, it starts out and it stays real powerful throughout the whole thing. But yeah, there's there's a lot of elements that seem sort of unstable. They're playing on a little bit of, um, you know, they have different tempos for the different instruments that are kind of meshing together. And then when they get to um, the instrumental part um, between hand and, and the drums really pick up, you go, whoa, what's going on? And I think it's reflected yeah. lyrically, too, a little bit, because when he starts singing, um, you know, you, you hear the first verse and the pre-chorus and the chorus. And you think like, oh, okay, yeah, I know what this song is about. And then you get to the second verse and you go, maybe I, maybe I don't know what the song is about. And then you're kind of confused lyrically and the music is kind of unstable. And yeah, it gives you this, this kind of feeling of, of being on edge, you know, for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a band, Muse tends to be, I don't want to say cagey, but I think they are a band that wants you to interpret their songs rather than them tell you what they're about, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I think that, the, again, speaking to intentionality, I think that that's something that they leave a lot of room for. Um, they want you to sort of interpret what you are getting from the song. And, you know, I, I always think too about the line, he says it a couple of times, I can't get it right. 
And I think a lot about that. Like, what what does that even mean? You know, is he can't get it right for himself. He can't get it right for the other person. He can't get it right for society. You know, like that one always sticks in my head. And then I love, like, from the very first moment that I heard it, I, I talk about you know, lyrics ringing sort of differently in my ears sometimes that are really impactful. And the song has always had that for me in the line that says, and no one wants to think they are to blame. Why can't we see that when we bleed, we bleed the same? Hmm. And I'm like, wow, you know, if we could, if we could all just sort of like acknowledge and, um, and understand that about one another, it, it's just it, it's an oversimplification of something that's incredibly complicated, yet it says exactly what I think we all need to hear, if that makes any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I think that it does. And I think that it fits into the theme of, of the song, you know, it's kind of the touchstone of the song, um, you know, you don't know exactly what's going on based off of the other lyrical content, but you know that there's, he's trying to bring something together, you know, and it, yeah. that that last part of that the the verse which is isn't normally where you find it you know normally it's it's in the chorus or in or you know in a in a bridge later on but at the yeah the second half of the the second verse there he really drops that that line where you go oh yeah this is this sort of encapsulates what the song is about in some way yeah and i think you know i always tie it back to the title too you know in, in thinking like oh yeah if this is a map of things that are problematic or problematic, as they like to say there. <laughs> um, I think that, yeah, like that, 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 that falls under that category. Check that box. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, and again, all of that aside, I think that even if you weren't giving the lyrics a second thought, which you should, but if you don't, <laughs> that's okay too. Um, I think this is still a really enjoyable song, right? It's still a rocker. It's still a song that's going to get like everybody like moving and excited and like create all those emotions that I love that music has the ability to create just in an instant. Um, and so that's another thing that I love about the song. I think that it's just really, um, it's effective no matter how you consume, if you're consuming to, to, to think about a song or if you're consuming to enjoy a song, this has both of those. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny, um, you know, because being a psychology student, you know, a PhD in psychology student, you know, you have your right and your left hemisphere, your brain, your left hemisphere more has to do with language and logic and that sort of thing. And the right half is more creative. So we know people that favor different sides. And we can even look at people with mental disorders who, who have, you know, problems on one side and see the other side kind of be unleashed. So, you know, there's always that that typical, um, you know, sort of stereotype that mental illness causes people to be more creative. Well, it's not yeah. necessarily false. You know, if you have things that are affecting the logical side of your brain, sometimes that that stuff can kind of be um, unleashed. But even even in normal everyday life, right? I think that those of us who skew more one way or the other tend to focus either on lyrics or on on music more. You know, so it's, it is interesting to see how how people what they take away from music, especially when it's the same songs, right? People are going to listen to the same four songs that, that we listen to today. And their, their commentary at home is going to be much different than what our commentary is on it. 
Yeah, it's true. And, and, and honestly, that's what I love. That's what I live for. I would have a conversation about these four songs with a hundred different people and be completely happy and satisfied. And on any given day might feel a different way, even about my picks than I do today. So again, I love that. And that's one of the reasons I was super excited to talk to you, um, especially because I do also enjoy your philosophy podcast. Um, we mentioned it earlier in the show, but listeners, you can check out Joel's podcast from nowhere to nothing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. Um, and it really is, I felt like I said this to you before we started recording, I feel like certainly there are some heady concepts in there, but it's also really accessible. It's not, you know, it's not, it didn't feel so heavy in like Sartre and Kierkegaard and French Enlightenment that I thought like, oh, I'm never going to be able to get this. There is some of that, certainly. And then there are concepts that are really more like, um, modern pop ideas that I loved um, hearing from. I think your latest episode was about migration, which I thought was so interesting, um, not even just about people, but about plants and animals and sort of how all of that happens. And you define some key terms. I love when you were talking about the difference between a nomad and a migrant, um, just really interesting concepts there. So don't let listeners, don't be scared away by a philosophy podcast, because I really think it's, um, it's, it's a, accessible and still very intelligent and um and it doesn't feel like it's out of a textbook do you know what i mean i felt like oh i can relate to to, to joel and to whoever your guest was on a given week um it felt like you were doing it so that everybody could enjoy not so that you two could sort of um show off your knowledge base you know so i appreciated that um and i hope listeners that you will go check it out again it's called from nowhere to nothing and as always, please be sure to follow, download, and share this show. And if you love listening, please drop a review on Apple or Spotify for us. Last but not least, to stay informed on all things Super Awesome Mix and what are you listening to, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Super Awesome Mix. Thank you, Joel, for joining me this week. Thank you listeners for listening and please join me again next week to find your new favorite songs.